In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> We've now reached the final Sunday in our final very brief week of preparation for the life-giving and healing season of Great Lent. And I've mentioned to you that it's in Lent that our Lord is providing us a path and everything that we need to walk the path of a journey of returning to Him. But who is the God who is calling us to return to Himself? What is the nature of the God that we move towards and come back to? This is what we want to look at today, and this is answered for us, at least in part in our Gospel reading, from St. Luke in chapter 18. You heard it chanted that Jesus with a multitude following him. He's approaching Jericho. And there's a blind man who's on the side of the path on the way to Jericho. And he's wondering what all this is. And so he asks, what is all the commotion? What is all that's going on? What's passing in front of me? And they answered, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Listen to what the blind man cried out. Did I tell you it was great revealed faith by the Holy Spirit to him? Because the blind man cried out, not just Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Somehow, it had been revealed to him that Jesus was the Messiah because the Messiah was to come from the lineage of David. It was revealed to him and he believed it and he cried out to him. Now those in the multitude that heard him crying out for Christ as the Messiah, they told him, please be quiet. Now the church fathers, you might think they're being cruel to this blind man. Why in the world would they, when he's seen, they've seen Jesus heal so many. Why are they preventing a blind man from approaching Jesus Christ or Jesus going to him as he called out? St. Ephraim the Syrian and many of the church fathers point out that the reason that they were telling him to be quiet is because this man was crying out to him as if he was the Messiah. And if the Pharisees heard that, they would have made haste to kill Jesus for blasphemy, for proclaiming himself this. So they're not being cruel. They're actually trying to protect Jesus. But listen to the blind man's response. It says he cried out all the louder, Lord, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus turns to him and he says, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man says, I want to see. And Jesus says, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you well. It says immediately the blind man's eyes were opened and he could see everything. And I tell you today, and this is what we have to lock on for what the Lord wants to show us this morning. I tell you today that the blind man was appealing to the very nature of God and from who God is that God might act on his behalf and heal him, restore his physical person. And this was the great faith gifted to him by God himself. Because my friends, to know God for who he is and then to call upon him to move towards us and to act on our behalf from who he is, is the faith 
that every one of us must be praying to have increased from glory to glory in our relationship with God. I'll say that one more time. To know God, know Him, not know about Him. To know God for who He is and to call upon Him in that relationship to be that towards us. That's our salvation and it's based on the faith that knows God and calls upon Him. And so today, it's the mercy that God is. Notice I didn't say the mercy that God has. We confuse this with God's nature, like God has grace, God has mercy, God has love. No, He is all of it. And so it's the mercy that God is, is that we want to focus on today. And I want to make a confession to every last one of you today. Please understand this, that I do not fully comprehend the profound breadth of the mercy of God. In fact, that'll be an eternal journey for us all, but I don't comprehend it all. And so my prayer today is that the Lord grow us in knowing him as mercy. But to comprehend God as mercy, we're going to have to demolish the walls we put around that aspect of his nature. Those walls that tend to limit what we think His mercy is and what it does effectively in our lives and for our lives. For example, we tend to think of the mercy that God is mainly in terms of justice and acquittal. Mainly in terms of, okay, I have sinned, I've fallen short of the true human creation, and so I go to Jesus Christ and I plead with Him for the forgiveness of sins, and amazingly, though I don't deserve it, he grants it and he soothes my conscience and he releases me from the guilt of my sin. And while that is absolutely an aspect of the mercy that God is, it is not the fullness of the mercy that God is. It's far beyond. And that is not to belittle the acquittal. That's really cool. I'll remember that. You see, the blind man's crying out for mercy, if you notice. When he said, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me, he wasn't talking about being in need of the forgiveness of sins in that moment. That wasn't why he was crying out for mercy. It had nothing to do with his guilt. Of course he was guilty of sin. But when he cried out, Lord, have mercy, it had nothing to do with his guilt. It had everything to do with the longing to be healed from living in a lesser condition of existence to a greater one. And for that reason, he called out for the mercy of God to move towards him, to touch him, to relieve him. I read just this week, Father Anthony Cunyaris, he wrote a little paragraph on the meaning of Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy. Listen to what he teaches because it grants us a more full understanding of the mercy that God is. He says, the word mercy in English is translated from the Greek root, Greek root word eleos. This word has the same ultimate root as the old Greek word for olive oil, a substance which was used extensively as a soothing agent for bruises and minor wounds. The oil was poured into the wound and gently massaged in, thus soothing, comforting, and making whole the injured part. 
The Hebrew word in the Old Testament for mercy is hesed. Hesed. And it means the steadfast, long-suffering love of God. Therefore, crying out for mercy, Kyrie eleison, is really saying, he writes, Lord, soothe me, comfort me, take away my pain, show me your long-suffering and steadfast love for me now, in this moment, in my current struggle, whether it's the struggle of sin or the struggle of our fallenness. Come and enter into it, soothe it, bring calm to it, relieve me. That's what we cry out when we say, Kyrie eleison, Lord, have mercy. You see, God's mercy, loving kindness, long-suffering love, His compassion, His forgiveness of sins, all of this are rolled up into the mercy that God is and desires to be for us in our lives if we will move towards Him as the blind man did. You know, one of the most enlightening psalms, and I tell you there are many psalms that will show you the mercy that God is by their very words calling out to God. And in Psalm 25, it gives one of the most broad descriptions through the psalmist crying out of the mercy of God. That very psalm that we chanted at Matins just yesterday morning before the women's conference. Now, I don't have time to read to you the whole psalm, but I want you to go home and read the whole psalm in terms of how I'm about to speak it to you. I'm just going to take a couple of snippets to show you what it says to us about the mercy of God in our lives. Starting in verse 1. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O God, I trust in you. All the paths of the Lord are mercy. That's that word has said. All the paths of the Lord are his loving kindness, his steadfastness, his long suffering to us and truth. To such as keep his covenant and testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. So here we have the aspect of God's mercy we first talked about that forgives sins and relieves our conscience and soothes us within by that relief of our sins and the pardon of our sins. But listen to how the psalmist calls upon God. He says, for your name's sake do this. For your namesake. Anytime you see for your namesake in scripture, we're saying, God, for the sake of who you are. Because the name was the identity that revealed something about God. For the sake of who you are. In other words, in this case, because I know your mercy, that you are mercy, move towards me and pardon me and cover my sins so that I can experience your loving kindness, so that I can come to know you as my long-suffering God even over my own soul. Verse 15 of the psalm. The psalmist cries out, My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn yourself to me and have mercy on me. Listen to the verbiage. Why is he crying out for mercy? Now it's not for forgiveness. Turn yourself to me and have mercy on me, for I am desolate and afflicted. Look on my affliction and my pain. The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Bring me out of my distress. 
You see, now he's calling upon God to be his mercy towards him, not for the forgiveness of sins, but that he might be taken again from the experience of a lesser condition that God ever created us to exist in and to be brought up by that mercy to God and experience true life for him. That is the active mercy of God coming from the mercy that God is. Whenever I hear the psalmist, You know, think of it this way. We are to bring our affliction that is due to the results of the fall still written in our souls. The afflictions that come from that. We are to turn to God and cry out to him to turn to us because as he will give us his mercy in those moments, what happens is our inner affliction and pain, our inner distress and chaos, our depressions and our anxieties begin to be soothed by the touch of God who is mercy. They begin to subside. They begin to be calm as he covers us with himself and his mercy. And when I hear the psalmist crying out, God, turn yourself to me. Do you not hear the blind man? This huge mob is passing by. This blind man out of desperation to be restored to his rightful condition. Out of desperation, he's shouting over the whole mob. Turn to me by saying, Lord, son of David, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. In the New Testament, one of my favorite manifestations of the mercy of Christ our God comes from the Gospel of St. Matthew and chapter 14. Let me give you a little preface to this. <clears throat> Jesus had been teaching and healing the multitudes for days. And then, he's not only tired, but he finds out that his cousin, the chosen forerunner, St. John the forerunner, had just been put to death by Herod by beheading. So Jesus withdraws from the crowd, tired. And in pain over the loss of, the, of his cousin tasting death that he never intended in the world. So he gets in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. And he starts to row out in the boat. And the scriptures tell us that while he was rowing out in the boat on the Sea of Galilee, the entire crowd, the mob, literally followed him around the shore and beat him to the other side. You see, he wanted to get away, but they weren't done with the Christ of mercy yet. You know, think about it this way. Some of you wonder how in the world are they going around the sea to get to the other side. That's because the Sea of Galilee is nothing but a little lake. Many of you have been there. I've talked to you about it. I've been on the Sea of Galilee and right out in the middle of it is the first passage that came to my mind. Because you could see every shore. And I could literally see that mob just moving to get in front of Christ for when he got off the boat on the other side. Well, when Jesus gets off the boat on the other side. He is met by that crowd that is still crying out for mercy, for relief, for soothing. And Jesus could have said, my cousin has died. And I've been with you two, three, four days, however long, and I am exhausted. Give me a little rest. I'll be right back with you. But that's not what the scriptures say happened. It said that he looked at them. He looked upon their condition. And it said he had compassion on them. He was filled with pain over the suffering of them all. 
and the compassion, that pain, released from him the mercy that God is. And he healed them every one. This is who God is coming to us and wanting us to return to him. He took all of them from a lesser and fallen condition. And the mercy he is raised them up to the way that he created them to be. In fact, if you look at all of Jesus' ministry, whether he's healing, casting out demons, planting the seeds of the words of life, you know what Jesus' entire ministry was as the incarnation was redeeming the results of the fall and bringing paradise to every one of them. Restoring the human person to the true Adam and Eve they were created to be in the beginning. You see, God is mercy, this compassion and long-suffering. He cannot be anything else. When we think of God as anything else, especially that absolutely hellish view of him dangling us over hell, waiting for us to do one wrong thing, that he might release us to burn forever. Now, I say that in an extreme, but the lies we believe about Jesus that keep us from coming and experiencing the mercy of God, they're far more subtle than that, but it's the same language. But we don't see God truly for who he is towards us and how deeply he loves us. So God is calling us back to himself. To know him in this way. To experience him in this way. He wants us to grow to know him as the God who is mercy. So that we bring everything to him like I said before. That has fallen within us constantly creating afflictions and burdens. The burdensome nature of our thought life. That is still in its fallen condition. That wears us out. He wants us to lay it all before him. And call out for the Messiah to have mercy. Because he will and he will soothe us. And then when he soothes us, we will look and be able to say, Lord, now I know you. Before this, I knew about you. But now I know you. What might happen if when we walk through those doors and take our place prayerfully prepared and having walked in fellowship with him and the Holy Spirit throughout the week, where Christ has revealed to us the afflictions that are killing us, wearing us down and burdening us. And then when we lift up our collective voice, Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy. What if each one of you living souls and myself were crying out with the same passion to be healed as the blind man? Crying out for Christ to be mercy in the moment. In that moment. For our restoration and our healing. What might happen? Why do you think... The church fathers through the Holy Spirit said that the very core basic prayer of every Christian that ought to be under our lips is what? Lord Jesus Christ have what? Mercy. Mercy as we're talking about it today. As God is revealing it to us today. The blind man needed the soothing and so do we. He cried out to Jesus to be mercy for him and to act for mercy on his behalf. But my friends, I have a great warning for you. I want you to be very aware of something. I want you to become very aware of the voice within you that comes from your brokenness and the illness of your soul and the voice of our enemy that makes our brokenness his playground. And that voice voices this, the same as they did to the blind man. Be quiet. Don't call out. Don't call out for the Messiah. And don't call out for him to have mercy on you. 
Because I, because I tell you, we have listened to this voice far too long. And listening to that voice, we lessen the reception and experience of the God of mercy. And I dare say lessen the experience of his incredible salvation. Rather, let us be like the blind man when we hear the voice say, be quiet. Raise your heart and your soul and your voice all the louder. And say, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.